praising, worshiping the Lord, right? There's nothing better than praising and worshiping the Lord. In His presence, when you enter into praise and worship and enter into the spiritual realm, you forget about the things that are coming against you. You forget about what's going on. You forget about all the cares and concerns of this world. When you truly enter into and worship Him in spirit and in truth, you cannot, your mind is not able, we're not made that way that we can think on two things at one time. We think we can, but we can't. We'll go to one or the other. So as you're, as you're praising the Lord, as, as things come against you, and as you get up in the morning, the first thing, as soon as those feet hit the floor, I praise you and thank you, Father. This is the day that the Lord has made. I decide that I'm going to be happy and rejoice in it. Or you can get up and be on the wrong side of the bed. It's your choice. But He's made the provisions available unto you. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you guys are out here today. You come out this this morning for God's got a good word for us. This is a, a word today that I believe it will help you. It helps me. And it's one that we don't address a lot, but it's one that uh, um, we need to know about. And, and, and God saw fit to lay this out. I know that I won't be able to cover it all in one session, but I'll be back next month and we'll, we'll pick back right up where we left off. We're continuing on the disciplines of faith. The disciplines of faith. Now, I've been on this since springtime. And so God just keeps adding more disciplines to disciplines of faith message. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 John 5, 4. It says, Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It says, Our faith. Doesn't say God's faith, doesn't say Jesus' faith. It says our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now you and I know, because you are all Bible scholars out there, that our faith is from Him. Okay? For without Him we can do nothing. And it says in Romans twelve three that He's given unto every man and woman the measure of faith. He's given you enough faith when you were born again to accomplish and to do and to be all that He's called you to do and to be. It isn't you have to conjure up more faith. is isn't you, that you have to try to work or achieve that. You have enough faith. But our faith, this is good news, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, we're all going through things, man. we all got stuff going on in our lives. But your faith is the victory that can overcome those things that are going on in your life. That's good news. Amen? Okay? Because you don't have to rely on somebody else. You don't have to rely on Pastor Chris being there. You don't have to rely on Pastor John or even this church because it's your faith. Now, we'll come alongside you. We'll, we'll gird you up. We'll help you when you're down and you'll help us when we're down and we'll join in and do this thing together. But it's your faith that is the victory that's overcoming the world. Faith is what you use to receive everything from God. Hebrews 11.6, one of our favorite scriptures in healing services, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want to please God. That's why you guys are here. That's why you have Bibles. That's why your pens are going right now. Okay? Because you want to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. Most of us have no problem with it. We believe God is who He said He is. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. I, most people believe that. But the second part of that, just as inter instrumental and just as true as the first part, is He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. So just like my dog Sadie loves rewards, I like rewards, I'll get up on my high heel and, and I want a reward, you're getting a reward today. You're coming today, expect to get a reward today. Who doesn't like rewards? Everybody likes rewards, okay? Hebrews 11.6 We've been looking at various disciplines of faith. Paul calls them in Romans 4.12, steps of faith. He calls them the steps of faith. And as I've been going through these months and preparing, and I'm going to put this in a book, uh, the Lord showed me that they're indicators or gauges. Just like we have indicators on, in our car and our trucks and our vehicles and machines and appliances, there's indicators. The indicators or gauges are things to show us when things are operating and, and functioning properly, but they also tell us and they warn us when things aren't operating and functioning properly. 
So these disciplines of faith, or Paul calls them steps of faith, and these indicators or gauges of faith, will tell us when things are operating and functioning properly, but they'll also tell us, hey, warning, warning, you know, when that needle goes over in the red, if you continue running in it, something's going to break down. Something's going to, something's going to, you know, come apart. Well, we don't want that to happen. And so many people are questioning, why isn't God doing that in my life? Why am I not seeing the results that I see in someone else's life? Well, these are good indicators. These are good gauges to just check to see if everything's operating and functioning correctly. I'm going to do a quick review. It's got to be quick because we've got to move on. Discipline number one, and you can go back and get these messages. They're online now, so they're free. You can get them out at the Information Center. The discipline or step number one was put God's Word first place, which is putting God first place, which is putting Jesus first place. Putting God's Word first place. Why is that so important? Because God, in God's Word is where you'll find all the other disciplines. In God's Word is where you'll find all the other indicators and gauges. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? You cannot separate this from God. So I never hear God speaking to me. I don't see God moving in my life. Open up His Word and have Him speak to you. Read it out loud. That's God speaking to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. Okay, so we got to start with the Word of God. There's many opinions and suggestions out there. There's many thoughts and ideas. But what does God have to say about it? That's our foundation. So that's discipline number one. Discipline number two was to acknowledge Him in all our ways. To acknowledge Him in all our ways. What's the verse for that, Pastor Chris? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will set your course straight. He'll light your path so that your feet do not stumble. Depending on the version. Uh, okay? But acknowledge Him in all our ways. How in the world can we acknowledge Him in all our ways? Very simple. Very simple. Just before you make a phone call, before you talk to someone, before you have a meeting, before you go somewhere. Father, I'm acknowledging You. Give me the words to say to this person. Lord, should I go here? Should I do this today? How would you want me to do it? Just acknowledge Him. Talk to Him as you would talk to your mate. Talk to Him like you would talk to your children. Uh, that's what He's asking and requiring of us. We'll save ourselves a whole lot of trouble if we'll just acknowledge Him in all our ways. I've learned to do that in ministry. Before I return a phone call, before I'll have a meeting with anyone, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. I'm going to ask Him, Hey Lord, I don't even know how to address a lot of these situations with these people. I'm in care, so I mean, we see all kinds of things come through here. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but I know that You do. So I acknowledge Him. He gives me the right words to say. And a lot of people say, Well, man, You just ministered peace to me. Well, I didn't minister peace to Him. God did, but He used me and I acknowledged Him and He was able to do that. For if you don't acknowledge Him, we should not expect to get a whole lot of help, right? Okay? Okay, so acknowledge Him in all your ways. Discipline number three, stay in love. Stay in love. Hey, our faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith operates and functions by love. So you get out of love, that's a good indicator. Your gauge is going to show you things aren't going to operate and function properly. You've got to stay in love. Love is the fuel. Love is the engine of our faith. Just like we need uh, fuel to, to motor our vehicles, just like we need food to, to fuel these bodies, love is what fuels faith. So it's so important, guys. If things don't seem to be operating the way you know they should be and you see in the Word of God, check your love walk. That's one we get out of whack every once in a while. It's a quick one to get right back in though, okay? Check out 1 Corinthians 13. Are you doing all those things? Those are good indicators to be walking in love. Discipline or step number four was to watch your mouth. Remember that one? We stayed on that one for a long time. Watch your mouth. Why is that so important, Pastor Chris? Because you can do step discipline number one. You can put God's Word first place. You can do step discipline number two. You can acknowledge Him in all your ways. You can do step three. You can uh, stay in love. And do undo everything with this little mouth. <laughs> the Bible calls it an unruly member. This little tongue. 
Because it's not so much your mouth, it's the tongue part. If you didn't have a tongue, you weren't going to get in a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> but this tongue forms words, and words sometimes can be hurtful. Words can sometimes contradict the Word of God. Sometimes it can say things that you don't really want to say. You know, and I shared, and I don't have time to get back in that. That's a good one to go back and listen to. Is I found myself getting into conversations I shouldn't even been getting into. Just to be nice to people. I just wanted to be nice with to them and, and acknowledge them. And I found myself in doing that, just getting into conversations I should never have even been into. And, and, and saying things and, and, and agreeing with things that I had no place on doing. So watch that. Watch that tongue. Watch that mouth. If you don't find things operating and functioning the way you know they ought to, and you've done steps one through three, check out your words. What's coming out of your mouth? For out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's been putting in in the last couple of weeks, what was put in yesterday is going to be coming out. Putting in a bunch of garbage, watching all TV and not coming to church, not open up the Word of God, those things are going to come out. We're going to move on. Okay, You can keep going on that one. That's a biggie. Discipline or step number five is what are you looking at? What are you looking at? When circumstances come, when, and they're going to come, Jesus said, in this life you'll have many troubles, trials, and tribulations. But he didn't end there. He said, take hold, I've overcome them all. Well, how did he overcome them all? That's what we need to look at. What was he looking at? He was looking unto the Father. He said, I don't say anything I don't hear the Father say. I don't do anything that I don't hear see the Father do. You and I are going to have to be the exact same way as Jesus did. How he had great results or how we're going to have great results. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the problem? Remember we talked about, if you weren't here, that we have two sets of eyes. We have these natural eyes and then we have the eyes of faith or spiritual eyes. And our spiritual eyes are how you receive the things of God. By looking into the Word of God, it's in the natural those things a lot of times will look like they're unbelievable. There's no way that those things could, could, could happen. But God's Word is true. It goes back to discipline number one. You put God's Word first place. And what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? If you're focusing on the things of the world, guys, then you'll have the results of the things of the world. And we see that it's in shambles. So we want to keep our eyes focused on the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who kept His eyes on Father God. Okay? How we're going to do that is by staying in the Word. So, that brings us up to today. Discipline, or step number five, or six, is to stand. To stand. Now, this is a lesson for today, and we're going to look at this. Let's look at the definition of stand first. It's going to surprise you. Okay? I like to dig, so I dig in my concordance. I always check with Webster's and, and get the world's definition, but then I go into my Strong's concordance and see what the Word of God, what the true meaning of these words mean. And we're looking at discipline step number six is the stand. And here's one of the meanings which most people relate the word stand to is to take or maintain an upright position. To be placed in or maintain an erect position. Most people, when you say stand, they're thinking like what I'm doing right now, standing up, right? I mean, that's what you normally think of. But there's a whole lot more to the word stand than just meaning to stand up physically and to stand up erect. Listen to this. Do you know that you can be standing and you can stand while you're sitting and that while you're driving and working, you can be standing. Listen to some of the other meanings of the same word. To remain valid, intact, or unchanged. This is where we're going with our study. To have a specified position, expectation, or opportunity. See, the opportunity is before you. Are you going to stand on the things of God? Are you going to stand on His Word? To remain valid intact or unchanged, to have a specified position or expectation. A specified position. position, expectation, or opportunity. I'm sorry, I go a little fast. 
The rest of that is, is to be situated or placed. To remain in a stationary position. See how it keeps adding and adding and adding to the word stand? How about this? To take up or keep to an attitude, a conviction, or a course. To take up or keep to an attitude, an attitude, a conviction, or a course. Now listen to this. It goes on even further, guys. How about this definition of the word stand? To resist. To withstand. It's where we get the term to stand trial. Get it? To stand trial. Trial, someone is uh, in, a, in a court setting and they're bringing accusations against you. They said you've done this or you haven't done this and you're standing trial. Okay? We're going to see how that ties right in with, with our, our walk with God and with our position in Christ Jesus in the church. The Greek definition is used in the Bible. This might surprise you of the word stand is to abide. To continue. And my favorite one was covenant. Think about that. Now think as we study this out, guys. Think of when I use the term stand. Think of to abide, continue, and covenant. That's what God, that was the true meaning of stand. So whenever you, you saw the word stand in the Bible, remember, you know, they exhorted Joshua to stand and, and many other people in the Bible. There was a covenant. The idea God was trying to get across was, is, is, is I've done my part. Now you do your part and stand in it. And, and where we're going to go today in the New Testament, the promises that God's given to us and, and through the Holy Spirit is that we don't have to do this on our own. And we can abide and we can continue when we don't think we can. And we can stay in covenant because of what He's done for us and what He's doing in us and what's been made available to you and I. You've heard this. When you've done all to stand, stand. This is one of the most challenging disciplines or steps. I'll say that again. This is one of the most challenging disciplines that we will look at. And there's many more that I've already prepared that the Lord's laid out. But, you know, we could say that it's a lot easier said than done, right? To stand. Come on now, we've all been there. You know, I'm standing for things right now in my life. I hope you are too, you know? I mean, we all, that's applying our faith. It's a whole lot easier to tell someone who's going through some stuff, just stand. Just stand, my brother. Just stand, my sister. But how about when it concerns you? And how about when you've been standing for a while and you're not seeing results? How's that feel? What's that look like to you? It's a whole other story when you have friends and, and family, comrades. I'm talking good people. I'm talking Christians. I'm not talking about heathens out in the world. And they're telling us, just stand, brother. Just stand, sister. You can continue to stand. The Bible says to stand. That's hard sometimes, right? takes discipline, right? But this is what God has shown me through the years and through many circumstances. I've had them just like you. I'm not exempt. And whether I'm just beginning to stand on a promise of God's Word or I've been standing for a while and I've been standing for a while on some of His promises, it's not about what I think and it's not about what someone else thinks about it. It's what does God say about it. It goes back to discipline step number one. I put God's Word first place. And I understand you might have an opinion, and I might have an opinion, you might have a thought and a suggestion about how to stand and, and tell me to stand, and you know you might have good intentions. But when it all comes down to it, guys, I'm telling you, it all goes back to discipline step number one. is God's Word has to be first place in your life. It's going to be very difficult for you to stand if you don't have God's Word first place in your life, because you know what happens? Pastor Chris can't come home with you, and I can't walk side by side with you throughout the day. I wish I could. And, you know, and, and this church will do everything we can to help you. 
But there'll be times when you you feel alone. You never are alone, but because you have Jesus with you, you have the Holy Spirit with you. You see, in this world, there'll be many opinions, thoughts, and suggestions from good people. But when it comes down to it, I want them, the one who created me to give me his thoughts. I want him to tell me his ways. Okay, he created me. He knows best how to fix me. It'd be like having a Chevy and taking it to a Ford dealership. They might be able to figure some things out, but they don't have all the parts. You wouldn't take your Chevy truck to a Dodge dealership to get it fixed, I hope. <laughs> I hope you wouldn't. So, I mean, you know, why would we, you know, I, doctors are in place. They've been gifted and they have talents by God to help us. And we have family, we have friends, we have people in church. Well, it all comes down to it, though. It has to be God's Word has to be first place. Because that's how you're going to be enabled to stand. Let's look at this discipline a little bit closer. And let's get into God's Word and allow Him to give us insights into His ways. If you will, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is going to help you. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read 10 through 16, then we're going to come back and pick it apart. Alright, it reads like this, I'm reading out of New King James. Finally, my brethren and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's where we get that, that's where we get that saying from, is verse 13. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We all know that scripture. We read that hundreds of times. We hear it all the time. It's in a lot of the teachings that we have here at the church. Let's look at it in correlation to what we're talking about of standing. Okay? Verse 10 gives us the key to this whole thing about standing. It says, Finally, my brethren or sister, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of His might. So, there's the first indicator. There's the gauge is if we're trying to do this in and of ourselves, it's going to be very unlikely we're going to be able to stand through whatever's coming against us. Listen, there might be some of you right now that got storms and all hells trying to come against you. Okay? It's only a matter of time. It all happens to all of us. How are you going to do it? How are you going to stand? I'm going to have to do it and I'm going to have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This gives us the key or the principle to function in this discipline. First indicator is, is how are we supposed to stand? Listen to this, guys. In the Lord and in the power. That word in the power in the Greek is ruling power. So, be strong in the Lord and in the ruling power. That's what that power is defined as. And think about that. He is ruler. He's the King of kings and lords of lords. I rule in His power. Okay? And it says, of His might. In the power of His might. And that word in the Greek might is ischus. I-S-C-H-U-S. It's endued power. So not only am I going to be strong and how I'm going to be able to stand during this situation, this storm that's coming against me, I'm going to be only be able to do it in the Lord and in the ruling power that He is the Lord of lords and that He's seated at the right hand of God Almighty and every name underneath Him is underneath His feet. And in the power of His might, His endued power that He's given unto you and I, what is that? The Holy Spirit. So how I'm going to be able to stand is is in Him, in His Word, and in the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's let's continue. 
I don't have to conjure something up. I don't have to work to get there, okay, to be able to stand. I don't have to jump three pews and four loops to be able to stand or get myself in a position to stand. It's already been made available when you said, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ into my life. He gave you that ruling power. He gave you that endued power. Okay? So it's not something that you have to try to achieve. You already have it. What we need to do is have knowledge of it and start walking in it. It's been made available unto you the same as our salvation is. It's a gift for the taking. That ruling power and that endued power is a gift. You can either leave it laying on the table and say, oh, I don't believe that, Pastor Chris. Uh, I don't believe that. It doesn't work for me. Then it won't work for you. Or you can take that gift, you can open it up, open up the Word of God and see what that gift is supposed to do, how it is applied to your life and see how it's supposed to function. And it will. For all God's promises are yes and amen. Verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Whose armor? Anybody? It says, Put on whose armor? Yeah. Whose armor are we putting on? God's armor. So not only do we have His might, not only do we have His power, He's given us His armor. Okay? Remember when David went to Saul and Saul's like, okay, man, you really want to go up against Goliath? Here, at least take my armor, you little guy. I mean, I don't know how you're going to do it, but here. He tried it on. It weighted him down. It was way too big. That's not the situation now. The situation is God's armor is your and my armor and it fits to the T. We're looking pretty sharp. Okay? It fits exactly the way it should. All right? And that's how we're going to be able to stand. Is I, I'm, you should start be getting some knowledge now, and, and you ought to start be able to get some wisdom now. That you know what, I've been having trouble standing, but I'm going to be able to do it now because I have ruling power on the inside of me. I have endued power in the Holy Spirit, and I have the full armor of God. I'm starting to feel a little bit better about myself to be able to withstand these attacks that are coming against me. And I'm not saying it'll come, boom, just like that. But as you meditate on the Word of God, He'll speak to you and He'll reiterate it and He'll bring to remembrance those things that we studied about. Verse 12. And this is a biggie. Well, you know what? First, back up there to verse 11. It says that, as my brother said, you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When I think of wiles, I think of wily coyote. Remember Roadrunner? What was that wily coyote always doing? Always trying to take the roadrunner down, right? Always had a plot, always had a scheme. No matter what, he was just running his daily route, you know, out in the middle of the desert there. And the wily coyote was always trying to take him out. You say, that's quirky, Pastor Chris. That's what's happening to you and I every day. You know, there is no such thing as an accident, guys. You know how, how much effort it takes for two cars to come to an intersection at the same time and smash into each other? It's been plotted and, and Wiley Coyote has planned that for a long time before that ever happened. It's nothing just happens. Don't kid yourself. So, I bring that up to say, just as the Wiley Coyote never accomplished what he wanted to do, right? It always backfired. The same happens with the devil. He's just a worn, torn Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Picture him that way. Picture him, you know what happened whenever he went, fell off a cliff and he come up and he's all ragged looking. That's how you got to picture the devil. He has no power over us, guys. He has no power over you and I. Alright, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, hmm, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, this is one of those verses that you have to go back to the discipline in step number one is to put God's words first place. And it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a biggie, guys. I deal with this all the time with people. People come in saying, oh, I got this problem with my husband. I got this problem with my wife. And, and, and my boyfriend won't do this. And my kids are doing that. And, 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 and all the time they're looking at the person. They're looking at the situation. And God's telling us, we do not war against flesh and blood. 
Well, a person has flesh and blood. What we're warring against is a principality and a power in a dark place. What we're warring against is the wily coyote. And I'm going to prove it to you. You think you, you might say, well, Pastor Chris, you know, they have a, they have a will and, and you don't know. My husband's a bear and he's a, he's a real thinker and my wife, she just doesn't know. It isn't that you're warring with the flesh and blood. You're warring with a principality and a power and a dark place that is affecting the person. We don't war with flesh and blood. And see, this is what, this is a good indicator, a good gauge to check yourself because a lot of times we'll look at the person, we'll look at the situation, and, and we need to look at it through our spiritual eyes, discipline number five, and not with our natural eyes because if you're looking at it with your natural eyes and you're thinking it's your husband and it's your wife, they're never, it's, it's going to be very hard for you to be able to stand because they're never going to live up to what your expectations are. And the devil is a sly, crafty, wily coyote. He's been at it a while. And he knows if he can affect your husband or your wife or your child and it's working, why would he come up with something new? <laughs> he doesn't have to. If he can affect them so that they say something negative towards you or they, they speak something that isn't nice and, and it affects you, a lot of times they're not even aware they're doing it. He's got you right where He wants you. He'll keep you in that stronghold. And you'll think the whole time it's, it's your husband. You'll think it's your wife. You'll think it's your children. I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, let's look at, uh, at Matthew 16. Now, we're talking Matthew 16. I'm talking Peter and I'm talking the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the same thing that we're talking about right here. Where it says that we do not war with flesh and blood. Peter was flesh and blood, right? He had flesh, he had blood. He's just like you and me. Turn to Matthew 16.23. This will help you with what I'm talking about. You all know this Scripture too. Let's start it. Actually, let's start at uh, verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall not happen to you, that they were going to take Him away and crucify Him. This is Peter talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus turned around and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's a bad day when Jesus turns around to you and says, Get behind me, Satan. Now, in the natural... Now, if you were had no knowledge of these things, what would that sound like to you? It sounded like he was calling Peter Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. I'm sure Peter's feelings were hurt that day because he did not have the Holy Spirit inside him to discern these things. What's he calling me Satan for? I'm sure all the other boys were like, Peter again. But he wasn't addressing Peter. He was addressing the influence that, that, that was put on Peter by the devil. He was trying to get Jesus off, off target. And he was going to use Peter, one of his buddies that he picked, to do it. And if Jesus would have allowed and went along with that, you see the kind of mess he could have got in? You and I wouldn't even be here. You see that though? We do not war with flesh and blood. This is a biggie and that's why I've stayed on it a couple minutes here and I'll wrap it up. Is because guys, we get our eyes off target. We get off focus. Our indicators are saying, you're not warring with flesh and blood. You're warring with the devil. You're warring with a principality. You're warring with one of his cohorts that's trying to influence and trying to come against you through another person. I've had family, and that's, that's not uncommon to have family be used to try to come against you. Actually, when I got hired here at the church, my family, which my family are Christians, they're the ones that prayed me back into the kingdom of God. They're like, you're going to give up all this that you worked for for 26 years, meaning the business that I had, and go do that? Meaning they didn't know the magnitude of it or didn't know the calling and all that, you know what I'm saying? And, and I thought, whoa, am I? <laughs> I contemplated it. 
When you get those ideas, the Bible says take every thought captive. Okay? And you cast it down. That's a stronghold. It's not that my, my parents love me. They care for me. They, they support me now. They're, they're my biggest supporters. Always have been. And, and they see now what God has done through my life. But you see that little instance right there. Parents, family, and, and the devil is trying to say, back off, dude. Who do you think you are? You're going to be a pastor? And you've worked all this time making it sound so good. You've worked all this time to get your business up to this point. Now you're going to give that over and come do this. You see how he works? He's a conniving, sneaky, no good cuff. Okay? We have to recognize who we're fighting against. Our war is not with flesh and blood. You all receive that? You see that? That'll help you. Okay? It really will help you. It's not the circumstance. It's the devil using that circumstance, using that person to try to get you. And if he can get to you guys, he'll just keep at it. Remember Pastor Craig? He shared a message a couple years ago about how the devil just keeps... Pound and pound and pound until he breaks breaks you down and and just you know it just gets you to a point where you can't see you can't really I, I don't know where God's at that's what he does and if you allow him okay because you have rolling power you have the Holy Spirit in you you have the armor of God but if you don't use it and you allow him to influence you through an outside party or person he will continue that and he'll beat you down to a pulp man he's looking to take you out let's move on. Verse, oh, you know what, before we leave here, here's a good, here's a good uh, illustration of this. And it, it's really helped me in my walk with God. I remember during the Gulf War, you guys all remember that, it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, the Gulf War. I was like very intrigued with that because during the Vietnam War, uh, I, was, I was young, I mean, I can remember it, but this one, I was very glued to the the TV to see what was going on. And you'll remember that Norman Schwarzkopf was the commander-in-chief at that time of the armed forces. You guys remember him? Okay, and it was under George Bush's administration. And this was during the Gulf War, and man, I'd come home from work, and I'd turn on the TV, and it'd show the planes hitting the targets, and, 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 and there was very little loss on our end, very little loss. And it was the, one of the quickest wars we've ever been in. And I remember seeing an interview with Norman Schwarzkopf, big burly guy, you know. And uh, they asked him, they said, why have we been so effective? Why have we been able, why did we win this war so, so fast? We were in and we were out. And I'll never forget his response. Now, Norman Schwarzkopf was in the Vietnam War too. And man, we, it went on for a long, long time, right? We lost a lot of people in that war. But his response, I'll never forget it was, is, is they asked him, why have we been able to go in and respond so quickly like any other war? And his response is, is we knew our enemy. That was a big difference from the Vietnam War. We didn't know who our enemy was. Our enemy could have been one of you sitting right here in the room with your kids with a bomb strapped to them. We knew our enemy. He said we knew where he was, what he had, and what he could do. Now think about that in light of what we're talking about. Why we were so effective in the Gulf Wars, we knew our enemy, we knew what he had, we knew what he could do, and where he was. We didn't know those things in other wars. Even in the wars we're at today, Afghanistan war, we don't know where they're at. We're trying to find them. A lot of money's been spent. Uh, people, a lot of people lost their lives. Think about it, guys. It's no different in the spiritual war we're in. I'll never forget that interview because God brought to my attention and brought to my remembrance and He said it's the same way with our enemy in the war we're in today. It's the same exact thing, Chris. And I want you to, to remember that and I want you to share that because my people don't know. They don't know the enemy. There's many in the Lord's army today that are clueless to who's doing what and what they're even fighting at or who they're fighting. You know, that's sad. How can you stand when you don't know who you're fighting against? How can you stand when you don't know where the enemy is or what its tactics are? I'm not giving him any glory. You know that. But you have to be aware of your enemy. You have to be aware of what his tactics are. How else can you stand? How else could you fight him? And a lot of people don't want to go there. But it's really helped me in my life. So if it's helped me, I, I wanted to share with you guys. You know, there's many blaming God. 
That's why I can't stand God. I don't, you know, there's many blaming God, questioning His will, no clue what to do. That would make it hard to stand if you're not sure if it's God's will or not, right? If you're not sure of discipline number one, if you're not sure God would do this or He wouldn't do that, how in the world could you be expected to stand when the, when the troubles of this life come against you? It'd be very difficult. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll give you some ammunition to be able to fight this wily coyote. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. You all know these scriptures. How are we, how we going to stand? How can I stand? Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you and me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. That the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, or believers, according to the working of His mighty power, Holy Spirit, which we have inside us, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Here's what I want you to see, though. What happened when God raised Him up from the dead and seated Him right beside Him? This is the position that He has, and I want to show you what you have. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things, all those names, any name that you can name, cancer, cold, diabetes, broken, blah, 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 put it all under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things at church, which is you and I, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That's great news for Jesus. But how does that apply to me? We'll flip over to the next page in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. This gets really good. Even when you and I were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, we're talking about we don't war with flesh and blood, but we war with principalities and powers and dark places and dominions and all in the world. It's saying in verse or chapter 1 that Jesus was raised from all that, from the pit of hell, and seated at the right hand of God, and every name that His name is under His feet. And if that wasn't good enough, He said that when we were dead, when we were lost, when we were going through all this garbage, He raised us up and sat us beside Him, which makes us sit right beside Father God, and it puts every name that is named and every principality and power under our feet. So, just as the Lord Jesus Christ is not lacking anything and He's ruling that ruling power I shared with you in verse 1 or verse 16 is now made available unto you and I. You and I, in our rightful position, right now, not talking when we get to heaven, right now, we should be ruling and reigning. And, and, and anything that tries to come against us is coming from the enemy. And it's coming and it's under our feet. And we need to see it that way so that we can combat it and that we can stand. If He's constantly grabbing and trying to pull you down and you don't know your position and you don't know the power that you have, it's going to be difficult to stand. But guys, I'm telling you, in Ephesians, it clears it up for us. that, And it started in verse 17. I hope that the odds of your understanding are starting to open up now that you have ruling power, you have endued power, you have the armor of God, you have His promises and His Word that have come hell or high water or whatever's trying to come against me or my family, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand and I'm coming through this. I said I've been standing for some things. I've been standing for some things for this body. I've been standing for some things in my family. I've been standing for some things in my business. And they're just they're, they're falling to the wayside. They're falling to, I mean, they're being accomplished when I say that. It doesn't happen all the time just like that. But I'm standing and I will see the rest of them come to pass. It's not based upon what I want. It's not based upon, you know, my opinion or what somebody else says I should have. It's based upon 
Discipline step number one is God's promises are yes and amen. I found a promise. It relates to me. It's mine. I'm going to stand and no one's going to deter me from getting that. That's what we have to have is that tenacity. You can do this. You can do this. Wow, that was a lot, right? So whatever is trying to come against you, it is a name. They've attached a name to it. Somebody has. Whether it's a bad report, whether it's a disease, whether it's poverty, whether it's a, a whatever that a broken relationship, it is a name and that name is under your feet. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians 10.3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We kind of already addressed it, but I want you to see it for yourself. I hope you're underlying these things in your Bible. This is your ammunition to be able to combat the things of this world and the enemy. It says in chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, that's what you and I are doing right now on the earth, we do not war according to the flesh. So we don't war like unbelievers war. Remember how we used to war? It's like, okay, man, you did me wrong. I'm going to do you wrong. You got it coming right back at you. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm out for myself. Uh, uh, I don't care about what you think. I don't care about anything. I'm going to get it for myself. I'll do whatever it takes to rise to the top. Remember that kind of way of thinking? I mean, maybe you didn't think that way, but the world does think that way. But we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I mean, they're not natural, human origin, but mighty in God, in His power and in His might, for pulling down those strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's living in righteousness, guys. Righteousness is a big word. gets a lot of people tripped up. It's not a word we use every day in our vocabulary. Righteousness is thinking right, talking right, and acting right. It means you're in right standing with God, but when you're in right standing with God, you would think right, talk right, and act right. Well, if you're thinking right, talking right, and acting right, then you would have right results. You'd have the same results as Jesus had. That's been made available unto you and I. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he who knew no sin was made sin, so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's how I can stand. That's how I can stand. I've been made righteous by my Savior. I can think right. I can talk right. And I can act right. How many disciplines of faith are entailed in thinking, talking, and acting right? See where how God ties it all together? Okay? Verse 13, we're back in Ephesians 6. I'm going to wrap it up here. And we'll have to pick it back up here and just try and find a good spot to, to, to leave off here. And I found it. Okay? Verses 13, it says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That whole armor is the Word of God. Okay? The whole Word of God. I can find promises in there that address every situation and every problem. I'm willing to look into my arsenal and find those promises. You heard Pastor John say it many, many times. There's a man part and then there's a God part. Our part, the promises have already been made available unto you. They're already yes and amen. Are you aware of them? Amen. Do you know them? Are you walk? Are you standing in them? We'll wrap it up with this. Verse 14 to 16. It says, Stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 16, taking up the shield of faith. But here's what I want you to see, guys. Whatever's coming against you, whatever's been coming against you, whatever will come against you in the future, it says you will be able... That's good news, right? You will be able to do what? To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say a couple. It doesn't say, well, you got some here. 
you know, until you get to heaven, you won't be able to quench them all. You know, come on, that's unrealistic expectation. No, verse 16, discipline number one, I'm going to believe God's Word. And I don't care who speaks contrary to it. It says, above all, I'm going to be able to take that shield of faith. That's the victory that overcomes the world. And I'm going to be able to quench all the fiery darts of Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Hallelujah! That gets me excited because, you know, greater is He is in me than He is in the world. That's how I can take the Scripture that says He always causes me to triumph. I always walk in victory. I am more than a conqueror because of the greater one that's in me. And I believe it. And I'm standing on it. And you know what? Look as it may in the natural, I'm standing and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So, you know, another word for quench is distinguish. Distinguish. So we'll be able to extinguish all the fiery darts. You know, sometimes it gets hot, man. Sometimes the pressure is put up on you. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's like, man, it's overwhelming what He's trying to bring against me and my family. That might be you saying that. And you know what? I don't see how possibly this could get turned around. But you know what? The Bible says that you will be able to stand because of the greater one in you. And you will be able to quench or extinguish all those fiery darts. So, Come hell or high water, and we'll go to the high water part in the next session when I come back next month. Um, we're going to talk about raging rivers and being set on the solid rock, standing on the solid rock. But I'm telling you, a lot of people feel the heat and they get out of the kitchen. You've got to stand in that kitchen. And you've got to know that I have the authority, I have ruling power, I have the Holy Spirit on my side, and I can extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. And I come out on top. An example of a fiery dart would be disease. Amen. Amen. Disease, anything listed in Deuteronomy and the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You can go in there and find all the curses that you've been redeemed of. In the beginning of chapter 28, you can see all the things that made available unto you. Health, wholeness, peace, joy, happiness, fullness. Does that help you? All right. Well, think about those things, and, and go back and meditate. You know, ask the Lord to. You know, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance those things that have been taught, and you heard in the past, and you learned. So say, Holy Spirit, remind me. How did, what did Pastor Chris say about that? It's actually what he said about it. Like I said, I was just a vessel. What did you say about standing? And what did you say about it's not war with flesh and blood? What did you say about pulling down strongholds and, and every, casting every thought down that doesn't line up with the Word of God? Ask Him and He'll help you. That's step discipline number two. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Watch your mouth. Walk in love. Be careful what you're looking at. And then stand. I'll see you standing next month. Amen? All right. Praise God. Love you.